0: Welcome to the Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Chris Grayton. Today's episode is, I think, a first for us. We are at Boston College uh, with a group of students who are enrolled in a class about the Ottoman Empire. Uh, But it's not just any old class about the Ottoman Empire. It's a class that explores the Ottoman Empire and its history through the medium of podcasts. And so it's a real treat to be here today to talk about this class and the application of podcast medium in the classroom and find out for the first time on the podcast how students actually feel about our program and we're going to have a constructive and honest conversation about that topic and I hope we will get some feedback because we do want to know how does the average student who's curious about Ottoman history receive this program in our interviews with Ottoman historians and before we start talking to our student guests today Uh, We'll talk to the instructor in this class, uh, Professor Donna Sajdi. She's Associate Professor of History at Boston College. Donna, welcome back on the program.
1: Thank you for having me again, Chris.
0: Thank you for hosting me today at Boston College. We've just done a a workshop with some of the faculty and graduate students on podcasting in the public humanities. And now we're here to talk about your class, Podcasting the Ottomans. Tell us just a little bit about the class and the role that podcast plays in your uh, syllabus and, you know, weekly activities?
1: So first of all, this is not just about any Ottoman history podcast. It is, the course is, is around the Ottoman history podcast. So it's not just any podcast. And so thank you and all of your collaborators for providing the platform for us to have a new course. So the idea of the class was that I mean, it takes my history as a teacher here for eight years. I have been charged with teaching mostly very specialized courses, very rigorous, either high level or they're about the study and writing of history. And so I wanted to create a kind of crowd-pleasing, low stakes, easier course that will help me mobilize students who are interested in the medieval and early modern period and who know nothing about the Ottomans or Islamic history so I thought using the podcast would be a tricky cheap way of bringing students in okay. and get them interested but the point of of using this podcast um, in terms of its pedagogical function is first of all because it's about current research it turned it it tends to to churn out the most recent methodologies and the most recent subfields in Ottoman history which you don't get if you were doing a regular survey of mm-hmm. Ottoman history yeah. which would have been very boring and it would have it would have meant that i would have to stick to one approach and method throughout the semester and i thought it was a perfect way to introduce students to the variety of sources for the yeah. creation and the making of history which you don't get in a survey course right. so the way that i've planned this course is to basically showcase all kinds of sources and subjects around which each module is presented so we did talk about the illuminated manuscript we talked about the court record we talked about texts mm-hmm. and kind of and and even um, narrative texts that are not yeah. History, and we have talked about the waqf, the the endowment. So, basically, it was a perfect way to get students to think about the sources and the methodologies of history, right. while simultaneously being introduced to Ottoman history. And it does have some kind of chronological order, and it does have some kind of larger uh, thematic trends. Basically, mm-hmm. so that was it.
0: Well, Don, I really like the pedagogical application of the podcast for this purpose, because it's not actually something I thought about when I made the podcast, but it's something that's very relevant in the undergraduate classroom, which is imparting history methodologies, right? History isn't what happened so much as it is learning how people tell stories about what happened using sources and artifacts from the past. And so by being able to access the current historiography, the, the trends, and hear the scholars' voices. It really does make coming face to face with that methodology and inevitability because you have different voices uh, and, a, um, you know, sort of the meta and autobiographical aspect of the scholar presented right in the conversation. So yes. that's a very I hope that other people will find uh, that use for this um, medium. What else should we say about podcasting the
2: Ottomans? Experimental course that ended up working out for the most part. Okay, yeah. Thank you for the cue.
0: So we're getting cues from the student audience already. Uh, This is a very experimental course, I think, like on, on a website. For any university, it would be rare to find a course structured around podcasts. Uh, our listeners can't see it, but I'm looking around the room and this is a full room. It's more students than I thought I would encounter here. What's been uh, your experience with this experiment? What are the joys? What are the challenges?
1: Um, I have to say that by and large it's been really joyful and I've really enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed the students' reactions to the different themes and podcasts because they were very different from what I had Uh preferred in terms of, you know, kind of the quality of the podcast and the topics and the themes. So learning how students react to things made me appreciate both the podcast itself and the kind of history in very different ways. And I also think that there's something about it not being a really hard course that makes it, uh, to me, a more, I mean, I just don't see the students suffering <laughs> which i do see in every other course that i've taught <laughs> all
0: right well maybe we should ask donna to leave the room for the rest of this conversation so we can have a bit more uh frank and legitimate I have witnesses discussion. who've taken other courses okay <laughs> so from your own experience there yes. seems to be less complaint of suffering i mean they
1: you know i generally students don't complain except at the end of the semester when they're (laughs) anonymous (laughs) but at least from looking at their faces and from their reactions i feel a very different vibe um and i feel very different reactions so you know let's see if my impression is true it's always tested at the end of the semester (laughs) yeah
0: the well thank you for giving that introduction yeah we have all these great students here who have taken all this interest in the ottoman empire i know that when you're choosing your course schedule, you have to choose wisely. You can only take so many courses and you have so many interests. And we're really glad that you're here taking this course on Podcasting the Ottomans. So let's move to the second part of this uh, conversation, which will be sort of a feedback session based on a pre-circulated worksheet in which we'll talk to students about their reactions to the podcast, what some of their favorite episodes were, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they would like to see more of. All right, welcome back to Ottoman History Podcast. We're here with our first panel of students at the podcast in the podcasting the Ottomans uh, class at Boston College with Professor Donna Sajdi. So we're going to start off not by talking about Ottoman History podcasts, but rather ask students what is the role of the podcast of podcasts in their lives. Uh, podcasts are very important in my life because I have one, but I realize that this medium means different things to everybody. Um, some of our students. Uh, may only listen to comedy podcasts before taking this course. Some of our students may already have their own podcasts. So I'm curious to hear uh, how you all uh, interact with the podcast medium.
3: Hi, I'm Matt. I'm a biology major, actually, in the history class, but um, I really got started. I found podcasts to be very helpful when um, summer of my sophomore year, I had a long commute to my summer job, and um, I just got tired because the music on the radio was always the same. Like, when you have a 45-minute commute, you're going to hear the same song at least four times. So, I found podcasts and just hooked them up to the car and listened to them back and forth, and... The first podcasts I found were some uh, just sports ones, but I expanded into more pop culture where they would interview like celebrities or even the sports podcast where they interview former athletes and have like some very interesting like stuff to talk about with the various like what it's like after your career. What's it like being like living your life in the league and that kind of thing. Some just very interesting podcasts. So I haven't yet found a podcast outside of the Ottoman history podcast to add to my kind of variety of podcasts but it's definitely been interesting to find more of the cerebral like history type podcast compared to the others
0: and it's one of the things that's good about the medium that you don't have to be watching it with your eyes you can just kind of listen passively how many people primarily listen to podcasts while they're doing other things you can just do mm-hmm or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so that's a very popular use of the podcasts
4: My name is Kira. I am an international studies major here at Boston College. I started listening to podcasts when I was in Geneva, Switzerland last semester. It's because I held an internship, but it would take about an hour on train each way to get there. So I started listening to Planet Money, uh, Freakonomics. I just got into the Daily, which the New York Times releases. Um, And it's just a wonderful way for me to stay up on the news and to really invest into topics that I didn't know a lot about before um, and that I probably wouldn't have discovered without having listened to these podcasts. So, so it's a very interesting uh, field.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting to see how old media companies like New York Times that was generally print have moved into these new media as a way of sort of, you mm-hmm. know, keeping relevant. And I think we as historians, we usually write books, but, you know, maybe it's, t- it's important to y- use the new media that people are actually using in their spare time.
5: I'm Chris. I'm a history major. I, uh, I started listening to podcasts about a year and a half ago um, through Barstool Sports. That's what uh, I started listening to them. I follow them pretty, pretty regularly. And uh, I'd say I probably listen to a podcast now, uh, probably every day. Wow. Um, so I, there are three that I follow pretty consistently um, and four, including the history, the Ottoman history podcast. What um, are the other three? The other three, it's called Pardon My Take and then KFC Radio and the Dave Portnoy show. They're all, all right. Barstool ones. Oh, and then the Bill Simmons show, which isn't associated with uh, Barstool, but they're all sports. I'm a big sports fan. But um, no, they the, some of the Barcelona ones they inter- they interview celebrities, not just sport athletes. So it's it's interesting to see you know interviews with people not just on the radio because um, they have more of a uh, leeway with what they can talk about on, in a podcast format. Right, so the
0: flexible format. F- exactly. Also, can target sort of niche interests. I know that for the scholars out there who are listening and work on the history of sports or. You know gender and sports and all of these different academic topics it sounds like there's a market out there for people who want to learn more about uh sports uh, off the field or the you know socioeconomic dynamics in the sports world
6: uh hi i'm kaylin um i am actually not a history major i'm a history enthusiast though um, i'm studying data analytics in the business school um, but i actually got into podcasts probably when i was 11 or 12 years old um, and that started off with the Discovery Channel's um, Stuff You Should Know podcast. And mm, if you my don't know, to that. yeah, they're a pretty old podcast, one of like the original ones that came out. Um, they have hundreds and hundreds of episodes, but from there, Discovery Channel expanded um, into different podcasts about stuff. And one of those was uh, Stuff You Missed in History class. And that really helped me to expand my interest in history because they covered every single era, every single region, anything that you could possibly want to about history. And I actually found this course by accident um, because I accidentally clicked on the wrong tab on the course, mm-hmm. <laughs> course, um, the course selection thing, and it came up with podcasting the Ottomans. And my first thought was, Wow, that sounds just like the podcast stuff you miss in history class. Yeah. And so I actually rearranged my entire schedule around this class because I decided I needed to take it, and um, that's how I ended up here. And listening to this podcast is a great addition to my current um, selection of podcasts, which is basically all the Discovery Channel series ones with the stuff you miss in history class. Um, they have all different kinds of ones and. Yeah, that's basically how I ended up here.
0: So you listen to a lot of informative podcasts, actually, but about stuff outside of your expertise yeah. as a break from the thing you're normally studying. Yeah. Almost. Um,
6: I actually don't listen to any. I know I probably should be listening to Freakonomics or what she was listening to with all those, but I actually enjoy taking a break. Um, and I annoy my friends a lot because I'll say, Hey, um, I heard in a podcast that <laughs> such and such and such. And I like to give fun facts a lot about the things I learned in podcasts, but, um, listening to this and learning through a podcast medium is probably one of the best ways I learn, And it's one of the best ways I comprehend information. I found out when I was pretty young. So
0: do any of your other classes employ podcasts? No. no. <laughs> okay. Well, but you've had a good experience using podcasts in the classroom so yeah. far
3: yeah how she was talking about earlier how it's trying to design the course to be less challenging like it's definitely some of the stuff we read is like especially being a non-history major some of it feels a little over my head but I like that in like podcasts I can kind of like pause it look it up and the tabs open right there and I also like that it's a Great from a time management point of view, because when you're assigned like 25 pages, there's a huge range of time it could take to finish that 25 pages. But when I open Ottoman History Podcast, it's like, all right, today's episode's 30 minutes. It's a nice quick one. Like I have a lot more time for other things, or I can say, oh, this one's going to be a full hour. You know, I got to budget more time for that. But I know it's going to take that amount of time, so it's really easy to help like with comprehension over reading, but also to focus on other classes as well as this one.
4: Yeah, I also think the podcasts are wonderful as a supplement because I hadn't learned anything about the Ottoman history previous to taking this course. So reading those dense um, reading excerpts, it's very difficult if you have no preconception of what it's discussing. So starting by listening to a podcast, having a relative idea of the context in which we're reading, and then delving more in depth with those supplemental readings, I really love that course structure.
0: Well, I think we um, should move to another small panel. Thanks for talking. We're going to have a quick music break with some nice (laughs) copyright-free music, (laughs) and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, Chris Grayton here at Boston College with students from the Podcasting the Ottomans class with Professor Dana Sajdi. We've just heard from a panel of students talking about the role of podcasts in their lives and podcasts are intimately part of each of these students' lives. Now we're moving on to our next section of our conversation, which will be some reactions to actual episodes of Ottoman history podcast that were listened to in this class thus far. So for our former podcast guests who are listening to this episode, please keep your ears open for some very frank, but hopefully constructive feedback, uh, on the interviews that you were part of. So does anyone have a favorite podcast? Is there one that stood out or do you find them to be pretty consistent?
2: I really liked The Foodways in in Medieval Anatolia because it was the first podcast we listened to. And Mm -hmm. it was like a great hook for the podcast itself because it already had opened up the door to using more sources for history than I had in other classes. So are you a history major? I am a history major. Okay. Um, And so just talking about hagiography and how um, a lot of scholars have used anecdotes to find out more about food in the Ottoman Empire, I thought was really interesting because traditionally it's like you read about all the research, but you don't. You read about like, the conclusions of the research, but not the research itself. So I thought it was great to open up the door to the uh, new mediums.
0: How historians look for clues and, and research about topics that authors often weren't actually trying to be talking about, right? The incidental facts. What else? What other episodes have we worked on thus far?
7: Hi, I'm Clemmy. I'm a history major. I really enjoyed the Picturing History at the Ottoman Court episode. Um, that was with...
0: Um, Emine Fatvaje at Boston University.
7: Um, And I really enjoyed how um, we had the accompanying uh, text kind of Mm -hmm. article so I could see both and I much more connected with the podcast because I was looking at this image and um, the scholar was telling me to look at the sultan sitting above everyone else and I could look at the image and follow their eyes when I listened, which I thought was really useful. And it also taught me a bit more about the process of scholarship, how um, you can look at images uh, much more closely. and yeah. I've, I've studied um, the use of images as primary sources before, um, but I haven't really listened to the scholar talking about it in the same way. So I looked at the analysis that people gained from pictures, but I was allowed to kind of discover along with yeah, the
0: see scholar how whilst they, I was listening.
8: How they view. Yeah, exactly. See what's behind their eyes as yeah. they're looking at the picture. Um, I'm Joe, I'm a history major as well and my favorite podcast was the Venetian Doctors one Um, specifically because you always hear about this information exchange between um, east and west on a broader basis but I think this actually gave the actors involved in it because throughout the podcast like we heard about how this information was exchanged so informally, Um, we have the example of the doctor who actually just picked up a recipe from a patient and brought it back and tried it in Venice Um, we also have the fact that Um, their budget a lot of the budget was actually given to wine for hosting the ottoman officials so we see that these uh, and then the doctors when they actually go to treat people in the ottoman courts would actually act as informal spies giving information back uh, to the venetians so i think it was really interesting to see how um, there were there was actually communication and how the doctors played a crucial part in this
0: Right, that episode with Valentina Pugliano uh, is one of many episodes, I guess, that stood out for you all. And, you know, medicine and doctors, painting, art, food, these are not necessarily the topics that are typically covered in history survey classes, right? Um, did anyone else have a, have a podcast that they liked that sort of showed them a new kind of history that they're not used to?
9: Uh, my name's Grant, um, economics major. Um, I really enjoyed the podcast about uh, dreams and how that is becoming this new like area of history and studying history based on studying people dr- the dreams that people have. and um, I was like totally unaware that this was even uh, a new type of historical history studying that was going on. Um, I had no idea that we had any sort of ideas about the dreams people had or any sort of way of like discovering what kind of dreams people were having. Um, in these times, and that, that we could even use those to uh, write about history and discover more about history. So I think that was an interesting way of bringing in an entirely new source um, in, you know, analyzing the dreams.
0: Yeah, and we don't normally think of dreams as historical events because they are in our head. But after all, that's where history happens, right?
9: Right. It's 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 interesting to see like dreams. You often think of like. They're usually, you know, they think of them as not real, almost they're kind of like fictitious things that we come up with our brains. But what the symbols that we see and the trends that we see in people's dreams can actually tell us a lot about what the people, the daily lives of the people that are having these dreams. Right. And that
0: podcast with Aslan Niazio, although she talked about, for our listeners at home, how Ottoman bureaucrats would actually report or record dreams that pertain to their career. And basically dreams serve this function uh, in their lives as as, sort of self-imagining as a career bureaucrat and whatnot, so very fascinating research.
10: Speaking of slightly confusing careers, um, I was a pre... um, Hi, my name is Joan. I'm a history major. I was a bio pre-med before switching over to history. And so you can take the major out, but you can't take the mindset, like the scientific mindset out of someone. (laughs) And so it was interesting. Um, One of my favorite podcasts was the Economics and Justice in the Ottoman Courts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it was very interesting to see how um, something that was like the court system and justice was not necessarily just um, like legalistic and, very, and see kind of the subjectivity of it and apply a scientific approach to something that doesn't seem to necessarily be a scientific process.
0: So you found that to be, that's a very unique piece of history that he did there and written with an economist actually as his, his co-author. And so that you you've, you found that it brought a different flavor to the topic.
10: Mm-hmm. And um, when I transitioned over into history, we read court and documents and um, it seemed almost, boring is a strong word to use, but um, mm-hmm. very dry and straightforward and kind of seeing it as larger trends and how, I also really appreciated how um, the researchers se- separated into three different time periods mm-hmm. and noticed among groups, how the outcomes of the um, of the trials or lack of trials would come out. And that yeah. was very interesting to not only compare across groups, but within groups over time.
0: You know, I noticed among the five podcasts you all chose, one of our major contributors, Nir Shafir, was I believe the host or the co-host in every one of them. So he's, <laughs> I know he's listening to this probably a couple of months later and getting very excited about what he just <laughs> heard. But, uh, I do want to ask, you know, and and maybe more so than our, our poor guests who were so kind to come on our program and talk to us in these interviews and in some of the other episodes you listen to, were there any aspects of, you know, the interview process, the types of questions that we ask or the way we talk, uh, as scholars, myself included, that uh, made the podcast less enjoyable for you, annoying. Are there any ticks that we have that you want to let us know about? Yeah, um,
2: my name's Amber, and I'm a history major. The podcast that Joan was just talking about, actually, um, because I'm not well versed in like scientific sort of method methodology. Um, uh, your guests on that podcast, along with some of the other guests, just seem Like they're obviously very enthusiastic and the work they do is very interesting, but some of them just get so like tunnel vision and they just are like going for it. And I'm just like, okay, like I don't know what's going on anymore. (laughs) I need to pause it and like rewind and like think about it. But I think that you and like the other hosts do a really good job of kind of like making them stop and like kind of redirecting them because sometimes it's just hard to follow.
0: Does that happen, Donna? Does that happen at all in podcasts? Do you have any, yeah.
7: Um, one of the issues I have is I um, have no knowledge of Ottoman history, Islamic history, even generally Asian history. Um, anything beyond Europe and America is pretty new to me. Um, and so I don't know much of the terminology. And often words arise and it goes straight over my head. Um, we have a little kind of bibliography from Professor Sajdi before we... Um, glossary. glossary. sorry, yeah. Um, before we um, listen to the podcast. So it kind of would help perhaps if some of the terms were explained um, you know, such as in the um, Dreams one, there were different careers being mentioned that I hadn't heard of and I was slightly baffled and I wasn't sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, sometimes it would would help to be able to follow more closely because when you're reading, you have the time to stop and maybe look it up. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're listening, you don't want to have to completely pause and check the glossary and come back to it. So perhaps that would be more helpful.
0: Well, I think we're going to be requesting a glossary from our podcast guests from now on, especially people working on the medieval and early modern period, a world in which the terminology in terms of life were so different than our own. That's a very good suggestion. Thank you for that. And I should mention for our contributors and uh, guests that producing these glossaries and defining um, maybe. As well, um, historical figures that are relevant to the discussion and mention the podcast is quite time consuming, but it feels like it would be a really great assignment for undergraduate students in the classroom <laughs> to have them sit down at their laptop and make a three minute recording uh, about a particular famous figure. And we could even host it on our website or host it on the web and make it available to the other listeners is sort of a
8: glossary and who's who of Ottoman history. Would you all be interested in doing that? Um, as Professor pointed out, there's an emphasis on this class not being difficult. <laughs> <laughs>
11: so
7: what
8: I would say I appreciate
7: appreciate about the podcast is that it's not um, pandering to students. It's we're listening to scholars talk about their work. Um, we're listening to what they're interested in. They're not trying to dumb this down for us. We have to concentrate. It is. Um, an insight into a scholar's mindset, into what they've been working on, which I really appreciate because often having done history now for almost three years and then obviously at school before that, I read a lot of dry works and I often resent these historians because you're like, oh, you know everything, but I don't understand. And it, by listening to them speak about the processes of what they're working on and Hearing their enthusiasm, you do kind of respect them a lot more, and you kind of think, actually, this is so impressive. And maybe I don't understand everything, but I, I like hearing about it. And anyway,
0: me too. That's that's how I got started recording these episodes because uh, even for me as a specialist in Ottoman history, there are topics that I really it's harder for me to read about than others, and I don't have time. But to talk to someone that personal touches, it's very helpful.
2: I think maybe if the glossary system, if you were to do recordings, was used as sort of like an optional addendum to it, would be mm-hmm. good for people who want to have like the extra layer of historical information.
0: All right. Well, we'll talk more about sort of pushing the boundaries of the Ottoman history podcast medium. But first, we'll take a quick break and get a few more students onto our next panel. Thank you. <coughs> Welcome back to Ottoman History Podcast. We are here with students from the Podcasting the Ottomans class at Boston College, and we're getting a lot of great feedback about the role of podcasts, both in learning and in in leisure, uh, and how students react to some of our podcasts. We've already heard some good comments, such as students like that the podcast don't pander to them, that we keep it to be an informed discussion, and that it's yet much easier to understand when hearing a scholar talk about their own research. Uh, But now we want to sort of push ourselves a little and talk about what about our medium could be improved. Because uh, as our listeners know, most of our podcasts are a standard interview format answer question. uh, And there's other ways of podcasting, there's other ways of communicating, and there's ways that might even be more entertaining. And of course, podcasts should be enjoyable, not just informative. So when you were listening to the podcast for, for our new student panel. Was there a kind of element or different way of communicating or segment that you were like, ah, this would be a great place to stop and just do something a little bit different than what's going on. Was there any point where you were listening and you said, I know how to make this better, this medium better and more effective?
12: Um, hi, I'm Nick Russell. I'm a history major, uh, in the Sonic past, uh, podcast. I, that was my favorite one we've listened to so far. Nina Arrigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I appreciated most about it was actually hearing the sound bites of the sort of like sonic clips in mm-hmm. these buildings. Uh, and I guess if I could change one thing about it, it might be maybe lengthier sound yeah. bites and maybe more of that just because, um, or in, maybe in like a general sense, uh, a lot of this is about physical sort of history, like, mm-hmm. or in this case, sonic history. Um, maybe actually engaging with those sources in a, in a deeper sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you would do that necessarily, um, but in the context of the sonic history, maybe more of it.
0: So for our listeners, the sonic history of the Ottoman Empire, or this, this, the, the sonic past or something was the title, it uh, was a pretty creative one for us because we had this very innovative scholar, Nina Arigan, who talks about how architecture uh, and uh, sonic environments are intertwined, how buildings are Made Not just to look at but to project a certain sound and we did listen to some clips in there and what you're saying is that it would be really great to even step away from the scholarship for a longer time and just sort of listen uh, The way that the scholar listens in a new light.
12: Yeah, definitely in terms of like engaging with the source um, I think that's at the heart of the podcast It seems to me anyway like we're talking about trying to see Ottoman history through a different lens and through a specific lens that um, that the scholar is looking at um, and so maybe giving the audience and the listeners a better chance to actually engage with that source.
0: Right. And, and to find a different way of thinking about uh, the buildings in that podcast was clearly uh, one of the, the goals of, of Nina Aragon to present a different way uh, of perceiving uh, and sort of communicating that to the listener. Right. You probably took away some lessons from that in terms of how you thought about uh, space architectural space or acoustic spaces or
12: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely now it's a it's a goal of mine to go visit these buildings and You know sit there and maybe like yell in the middle of them or something. Just Yes yeah. um, it, it was really fascinating.
0: Yeah, one of the things I started doing after getting so familiar with podcasting is I started just recording field recordings walking around with a microphone and listening on headphones and listening to the world that I inhabit in a totally new light uh those that's been one of the enjoys of really focusing on just one sensory element uh, of podcasting
8: my name's andrew Uh, i'm a history major Um, and i think that another way that the podcast could be um, benefited in the future would be to go beyond the podcast Um, maybe add additional uh, sources articles pictures videos that you could recommend within the podcast so then somebody could pause the podcast and be like okay i want to go look at this i want to see what this is I want to hear this and open up another tab and Mm -hmm. look for that uh, specific uh, item that's recommended by the scholar or the host. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a good addition.
0: Make it more flexible, more choose your own adventure as well.
13: I think also, um, I'm Victoria, I'm a history major as well. I think also sometimes um, in class, like in some of our readings, we've talked about how different scholars um, kind of argue different things or provide alternatives to one person's Um, findings and I think maybe bringing another person on the podcast at a certain time I mean they don't apply to yeah they don't apply to all of the podcasts obviously but some of the podcasts it might be interesting to hear someone else say oh no this is what I found
0: yeah so to have two scholars actually debate a topic you know for the scholars who are listening I mean we have to be honest here. People don't like to come on a public medium like this and, you know, be challenged or, or, or certainly come off as fighting and, you know, being contentious. But that is a very popular aspect of talk radio, right? That people enjoy uh, seeing a debate and are able to watch a debate and understand both sides at the same time, as long as it's an informed debate. And that's something that we should really try to push for more on our program.
14: Hi, my name is Max. Um, I actually really agree with that. I think a lot of the times when uh, I'm listening to them... Uh, hearing somebody else's conversation after like 45 minutes can, can kind of take a toll on my attention span so I know a lot of the podcasts I listen to I like are kind of like narrative based and mm-hmm. it bringing a lot of different people and a lot of different sources kind of pursuing one story or one idea and I think that that could be a cool thing to play with but I think adding you know more voices in the individual podcasts and more perspectives would really uh, be a lot uh, really engaging especially from some of us students who really are being introduced to this field for the first time and so to have uh, You know, the ability to kind of get to know multiple views on it and and meet more people in the field would, I think, really be beneficial for us.
0: Yeah. And we've, that's, I'm glad that you said that because we're working on these more narrative, sort of an investigative arc, like podcasts with a story that, of course, we weave in different elements. I think that's really great. And to hear students say they want it gives us even more motivation because, of course, that is more work in terms of composition, but it's uh, certainly worthwhile. Welcome back to Ottoman History Podcast. We're here with the podcasting the Ottomans class at uh, Boston College with Professor Donna Sajdi. We've been talking to students about their experiences both with podcasts in general and with our humble Ottoman History Podcast. We've brought Donna back into the conversation for just a minute because we're gonna spend the remainder of our discussion talking about uh, how students are using podcasts not just to learn but actually, Um, to produce in a way uh, for their final projects for the class. So Donna, tell us about the uh, final assignment before we hear from some of the students. Uh,
1: The final assignment is an online exhibition on a um, platform that was created here by BC called Mediacron. And the title of the exhibition is Uh, stories Ottoman objects tell, and each student will choose or has chosen an object for which they had to find an image in the public domain, which was a bit difficult, and thank you for helping us with this, at least in terms of the instructions. And each student is supposed to do research on this object and and place it um, in the most recent scholarship and then produce either a text or a podcast, or even a video, whatever they choose on that object.
0: All right, so uh, I don't know exactly when this will be released, but we're in mid-March right now, so the, the projects aren't complete, no. uh, So, but we're going to talk to a few students about what they're planning on doing or what they're currently in the process of executing uh, with this project. Who wants to start?
15: Hello, my name is Joe. I am a history and applied psych double major. Um, so my object is, uh, it's housed at the MFA right now, actually. Um, it's officially titled Tile Lunette, so it's a semicircle tile. It's probably, probably like 10 square feet, so it's like, it's substantial. Um, so it, it's a pretty standard tile, and it's, it's housed in a mosque, so it's, you know, on top of the door and stuff like that. Um, but what caught my eye is that it has... Um, it depicts this enchanted forest, which is something I have not seen in Ottoman history or in this class yet. It almost looks like, um, like a 16th century Alice in Wonderland type of mm-hmm. scenario. Okay. Um. So I have found almost no no research on that yet. Um, but um, I'm very curious as to what that actually means, or what yeah. it's yeah what its meaning is in the context of Islam or if it has any religious purpose or if it's just purely decorative, Mm -hmm. um,
0: and what the aesthetic is supposed to appeal to, right? I mean, one of the other things you can investigate is the production of the tiles. Um, we've, we've had a a recent episode on that with a scholar, Sato Muralian, who is, uh, the granddaughter of a very important tile maker, um, an Armenian tile maker in the Ottoman empire. And we talked in depth about, uh, the materiality of tiles as well. So if you're looking for more inspiration, um, I can recommend that.
15: Fantastic
13: so my name is violet i'm a history major um for my project i'm writing about the ottoman cafes or cages or cages where um the ottoman princes would be confined after the 16th century um specifically the twin kiosk at tupcafi palace um and a lot of the scholarship that i'm finding talks a lot about like the psychological um effect of being confined um, for princes and I kind of want to argue a little bit uh, in a different framework. Um, we just read Professor Saji's piece, Arguing Against Decline, and I want to talk a little bit about how princes might still have had agency and power um, within the Imperial harem.
0: Do you have any ideas about how that, how the cuff has played that role yet?
13: Um, I'm just, I'm, I mean, like access to information, yeah. access to um, people who did have power within that space. Um, it's kind of be be a difficult um, project, but
0: well, Nina talked about that. Nina Aragon talked about that in her podcast with the women who who were able to listen and communicate through the walls and and even if they weren't seen or they were confined. Yeah, so. I was
13: inspired by that actually. Oh, so. that's
0: great. That's a great project.
11: Um, hi, I'm Bridget. I'm a senior, uh, I'm a history major. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, my project is about um, this house. It's in northern Greece. And it was where um, Muhammad Ali, who was one of the leaders in Egypt, um, lived as a child. And so and before he went to Egypt, I guess. Um, so I'm kind of looking at how the architecture of this house kind of fuses um, Balkan architecture architectural styles with um, Ottoman and possibly expanding that to show like how the that kind of fused architectural style might have followed him to Egypt.
0: That's a very interesting topic. How did you get the idea for that subject?
11: Um, I was actually lucky enough to go to that house last year for spring break and it was kind of just like interesting because I was on like a tour of Greece and most of it was about you know like Mount Olympus and like ancient Greece and then we got to this like Ottoman house and it was just kind of piqued my interest.
0: Man, that's that's great it you know these these buildings and these objects that a lot of people write about are actually very mundane objects in a lot of the cities and places where they exist you, know, you just see them every day and sometimes you're unearthing things that people really haven't even uh, thought about so that's a that's a really cool uh project based on your own personal experience all
14: right max is back here um uh <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah back, so, max. yeah thank you um glad to be here um yeah, so I actually, I, I found a rug, one of a bunch that have a, quad, a quatre, quatrefoil shape on them, um, and I kind of have decided to kind of like follow that shape as kind of a representative um, aspect of the cross-cultural exchange between the East and the West at the time, I think. Kind of, it would stand in contrast of a lot of the commonly held conceptions of Eastern and Western contact as something that's very limited. But if you look at all these rugs and all these different architectural elements in both the Ottoman uh, world and especially in Europe, they're all over the place, these quatrefoil shapes.
0: You're going to have to explain what a quatrefoil shape <laughs> is
14: for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it, it, it's kind of like a square that, if you've taken each of the sides and, and made a hemi like a half circle out of it, so it'd be like kind of like a four leaf clover without like the stem. And so it has kind of barbed elements at each of the ends that when they come together, and it's a really typical thing you'll find, especially in gothic and renaissance architecture. Um, and then in the Ottoman sphere, it's really um, kind of a more ornate shape where there might be like a square shape. And then from each side st- uh, comes out like a triangle or almost like a fleur-de-lis pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really kind of evolves a lot as it moved throughout Europe and in different, you know, even still today, um, it's a really, really popular like design element in, um, you know, like wallpaper or on purses or all kinds of things. It's a really, really popular, intricate shape that um, has kind of really stood the test of time. And it's something that we attribute to the Ottoman empire, but still has such a strong legacy in Western culture. So I think it kind of speaks to kind of the opposite of the held conception of a kind of closed society on either side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I guess it also shows the reception of uh, Ottoman aesthetics and yeah. things that, you know, we have a piece of furniture that's called an Ottoman and there's a reason for that. <laughs> it's because people thought Ottomans really knew how to sit and relax. And that's mm-hmm. uh, actually a part of European history and, uh, you know, One of our contributors, Emily Neumeyer, who works a lot on visual history, would be thrilled. Who's
2: a BC grad?
0: Who is a BC grad? (laughs) I know Emily would be thrilled to hear how you're using uh, visual elements with audio, learning how to talk about looking. It's a really great uh, experiment in in sort of sensory history. And I'm I'm glad to hear about these really interesting projects. And I'm even more glad that they're going to be public and available for people uh, to see on the web. Thank you. So that concludes our discussion with uh, the podcasting the Ottomans class at Boston College with Professor Dana Sajdi and a group of, what, almost 30 students that we have, 28 students that we have in the room today. Thanks to everyone who participated and for those whose voices we didn't hear, thank you for listening and for not throwing your water bottles at us while we have this (laughs) nerdy conversation. Um, You can all look forward to this episode appearing on the Ottoman History Podcast website sometime maybe this summer. Um, and uh, you'll also find uh, bibliography and links and, and other materials related to everything we've talked about. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Join us next time, and until then, take care.